Welcome to Education Talks, I'm David Burke. Scott Bauer is an admission counsellor at Soka University and he also works as an IBDP global politics teacher for the Dwight Global Online School. Scott also hosts the podcast Be a Global Citizen, where he interviews guests on the subject of global citizenship, something he's very passionate about. In this episode, I asked Scott for his own reflections on what it means to be a global citizen. Well, Scott, welcome to Education Talks. Great to have you here. Where in the world are you joining us from? Hi, Dave. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be on the podcast. Very excited. And I currently find myself in Torrance, California. It's in the Los Angeles region, um, pretty close to the ocean. I happen to be in the west part of Torrance, close to Redondo Beach, the whole beach cities area. Uh, it's really beautiful here. Um, it's quite different from where I was previously living. I'll definitely share more about this later, but I was in Brazil for several years and that was just just skyscrapers, concrete jungle, that kind of thing. Coming back to where I was born and raised uh, is lovely and gives me newfound appreciation. Um, not to say that Sao Paulo is not beautiful, but just, you know, I think that's, um, you know, something recent that's happened to me to see that contrast. But yes, Torrance, California, a little bit rainy, but um, it's pretty much cleared up by now. And so we're getting back into the the summer sun. Well, not summer, but the springtime flowers and the sun coming out. So, yeah. Wonderful. Well, I'm uh, speaking to you from Singapore, where it's uh, it's rainy and very cloudy here. Um, but uh, always summertime, though, here. Uh, so great to have you here. Um, I'm hoping you can start off by just sharing a little bit about your career pathway to date, uh, your career related to education. Just uh, Step us through the career of Scott Bauer. Right, uh, the career of Scott Bauer. Well, I find myself uh, working at a university, liberal arts college called Soka University of America. It's in Aliso Viejo, California, about one hour drive from where I'm at right now. So a little bit of a commute. And I work there full time as an admission counselor. What's really special about this university. It's actually where I graduated, where I did my undergrad and um, has a really special place in my heart. And I think as we, you know, as, as the listeners will find out, um, you know, it's really core to my um, outlook on education as well as uh, my specific interests in global citizenship. So there's that full-time role that, um, that I'm engaged with. I've been in the role for about a year and a half. Uh, I also have a part-time job where I work uh, as an IBDP or International Baccalaureate Diploma Program Global Politics teacher. A little, little bit like, you know, of a mouthful, but like it's uh, basically to say I, I teach global politics for the high school. And, um, and uh, it's something that I've been doing for almost a year now with Dwight Global Online School. And um, so how I got to this, this world of education, it wasn't, um, something that I, from a very young age, was like dreaming of being a teacher, right? Uh, wanting to engage, you know, others in discussions about education. Um, but I, I kind of fell into it um, in many ways. After graduating, the first um, job that I had was actually not remotely close to education. Um, it was actually in construction work, <laughs> which sounds a little bit absurd. I think back on that, I'm like, wow. I was crazy just to decide that was a good idea, but it was, even in hindsight, um, I, I just 
found myself really wanting to travel. Um, I had many opportunities to travel um, as an undergrad. I, I feel very privileged to have had those experiences. And I went to Canada, did construction work for a couple months. Um, then from there, other part-time jobs, I was at a Japanese karaoke bar, just, you know, serving <laughs> tables and pouring drinks, uh, making cocktails. Um, it wasn't um, until like I have a I had amassed enough money to then buy a one-way ticket to go to Lima, Peru. Uh, over there, I was doing more NGO work, and I felt that to be um, particularly meaningful for myself. Um, I really had this strong connection to South America. I'd done a study abroad in Lima, Peru. Uh, in my undergrad, I was studying Spanish, so I wanted to apply those skills, and I wanted to be. I wanted to be far away from California, uh, which sounds weird. A lot of people in South America told me that I was crazy for leaving California. Uh, why would you come here? I was like, no, but it's lovely here and I want to learn from you. Um, and I did that uh, in spades while in Peru, um, the, the NGOs that I was um, engaged with were very small. Um, and one of them was actually um, a startup from a friend who's also a graduate of my university. It was called the La Casa Cultural Yuyai, which is like the cultural house of Yuyai. And Yuyai is a Quechua word, which means to remember. And so it was really oriented towards giving back to the community, really specific age range from like 11 to 13. And uh, it just the, the kind of workshops that we did just ranged from, you know, soccer to, you know, reading and literature to dance and, you know, just all these different fun activities that we really drew from the community, um, from others who had more, uh, you know, speci specialization in said workshop. And, uh, and I feel like that really started my interest in education, but still, I didn't really consider myself as a teacher. I was just thinking like, I just want to do NGO work and then I will find myself in the UN um, because why not? That sounds like a worthwhile thing to do with my life because what the UN stands for and um, I even went so far as to bring my CV to the doorstep of the, the UN embassy. Like I, they, they were like stationed somewhere in Lima, um, did not get a reply back until maybe a year later. Uh, but by that time I had moved on to other things. Uh, nonetheless, I was still figuring a lot of things out. And um, it just so happened that I sent an email to another friend who's Brazilian, and uh, there's this particular school in Sao Paulo. It's connected to the Soca University that I had, you know, studied at for my undergrad. They have Soca schools. There's a whole Soca network, really, um, in uh, you know seven different countries. Um, it you know Singapore actually has one. There's Singapore, Malaysia, Hong Kong. South Korea, uh, Japan, there's two in Japan actually, uh, and then also one in Brazil. And um, and yeah, so I was just very um, interested in making that connection, tapping into that network. And they just happened to be looking for an international English teacher. And I figured, wow, well, I know English, so why not, you know, take a shot on me? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you know, fortunately they, they said yes, and um, yeah, I, I found myself in São Paulo, um, and you know, long story short, from that experience, I, I can go into detail later. But I spent six years. Uh, I taught different subjects 
was engaged in various projects and uh, various campus-wide events, just really trying to build the school up because they just so happened to be in a moment of expansion where they um, went from having the preschool up to the middle school. And then when I got there, they were, they had, um, you know, the plan set in motion to expand to the high school and add on top of that, the IB, the International Baccalaureate curriculum, uh, specifically the diploma program. And that then set me off on the journey of learning about the IB, being uh, a global politics teacher, and yeah, having a lot of fun um, figuring out what it means to teach, realizing that knowing a, you know, a language is very different from teaching the language. And then with the IB, so much of it is teaching content through the language, since all of my students were Brazilians and uh, they were speaking, you know, English as a second language. And yet here was this, you know, guy from the US trying to talk to them about international relations, right? Or peace and conflict studies and yada, yada, yada. So um, from that experience, then, uh, yeah, that was a year and a half ago. I had this big transition after the, you know, at the tail end of the pandemic to return back to California. Uh, I was a little bit burnt out from teaching, I'll be very honest. Um, the whole experience was very draining, especially with the pandemic, um, lots of troubles with, um, you know, even um, the kind of organizational structure, the, the leadership itself, it was just, you know, everything was strained, uh, you know, because of, um, yeah, the pandemic and then other pre-existing kind of things going on internally. So uh, I just needed some kind of change and uh, yeah. And then I found that change with moving back to California and being in the world of higher ed in, in the office of admissions. It's been quite a journey so far and uh, yeah, still very um, you know, excited about what's to come. So that uh, role in the office of admissions, Soak University, you also have uh, uh, involvement with uh, Dwight Global I want you to sort of just share what it's like working uh, across you know, two different positions. Obviously, one takes up more of your time than the other. But um, you know, what is it like? And, and also, what's it like working online with Dwight Global? Mm, yeah, well, I, I think that my background as a teacher really helped me in terms of the role that I play as an admissions counselor. I see it as this natural progression from like my experiences teaching elementary school up to the middle school, high school. And then, you know, now there's that trans transition period where uh, the high schooler is, you know, exploring his or her options um, or their options to like colleges. And it's a whole process. It's a certain mindset, there's research, there's like soul searching involved, there's financial aspects involved. There's a whole host of factors to consider. Um, and it can be very, very daunting. It can be very overwhelming of an experience. And so being able, like, I think my experiences of connecting with students and really trying to understand where they're at, um, you know, by listening to them and um, engaging them and like answering their questions in like as direct way possible, um, all that training and skills applied to my job. And, um, and ultimately it's just talking with youth, you know, talking with young people, I find that to be one of the most rewarding parts of being an educator. So in that sense, going to your first question, um, that's what I continue to do as both an admissions counselor and as a global politics teacher for Dwight Global. Um, and 
what I love is that, um, you know, there's such a range of engagement that I'm able to do uh, in both both jobs. Um, with admission counseling, um, you know, we're a very small school. We only have 450 students in total for the undergraduate program, which puts us in a category of our own. You know, they're small universities, which people oftentimes think are maybe in terms of like, you know, 1500 to let's say, you know, 2500. Um, but then we're even below that. So um, what that allows us to do is have that individual approach to really get to know the, the person coming for a visit or connecting with us online. Um, and, and then there's also the college fairs, right? We'll, we'll be sent to these college fairs where there are many other counselors, many other universities. Uh, they can be as big as, uh, you know, 400 students coming in um, and they can be as small as only, you know, 50 people stopped by or even less, you know, but knowing how to speak to the audience and uh, make a connection um, regardless of the circumstances. Uh, I think that also applies to the online setting where I do my teaching for Dwight. Um, luckily, I only have, I have a very, very small cohort. So that what that allows me to do is really dial in my, um, you know, focus on where they are at and how I can really speak to their needs and also give them the space. Um, so yeah, I just feel like one definitely informs the other and it's all just about connecting with, with young people. Um, and then there was a second question that you asked me about specific to Dwight Global. Could you remind me what that was? <laughs> just the whole uh, um, working online, like what is it, what is it like? Ooh, yes, yeah, well, I, before Dwight Global, um, when I was in Brazil, everyone was forced online, right? The whole world was forced online. Uh, but that was not by choice, really, um, for, for the vast majority of, of schools. So it was a bit jarring. Um, it also felt, it, it was tough because I felt like I was not able to connect with them. I had certain expectations, what I wanted my relationship to my students to be like. And it just felt like I was um, somehow, you know, yeah, inhibited or uh, it, there was there were blockages and, you know, it, it not necessarily like any fault on my own, but I think that there was just so much going on in that particular moment of history where students were feeling, you know, completely isolated. They were cut off. They were just, um, yeah, they were just not in a good place. So um, that initially gave me a more negative sense of the online space. Um, but I think what really um, drew me back to it um, was yeah, Dwight Global offered a very, they have these three pillars um, that they um, highlight. Um, one of those pillars being the personalized learning uh, side of things. And um, and I really can see that um, in terms of how they structure their classes, uh, in terms of smaller cohort sizes, and the, you know, the the concern that, that we have as teachers to like really go that, uh, you know, extra step to sending emails, scheduling times to speak one-on-one, -on -one, talking with parents when it's not necessarily parent-teacher conference time. Um, but really, there's this um, this all-hands-on-deck kind of mentality that Dwight Global has when it comes to the online approach. And so that really filled in a lot of the um, you know missing gaps, maybe, uh, from mm -hmm. my first experience. And then also, you know, going into this, uh, this part-time work with Dwight Global, I, I was very intentionally choosing to teach online. So it was not like the past circumstance of like, oh, well, yeah. 
this is what it is and you got to deal with it. In addition to the forced entry into online learning, I was also well, online teaching. Yeah, I guess online learning and online teaching, right? Because we were all learning at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but I was also asked to teach theory of knowledge, which is another subject in the International Baccalaureate. So it was a brand new subject. I was teaching online. It was a pandemic. Everyone's, you know, rightly so freaking out. And uh, it was just not a kind of conducive teaching uh, moment. Uh, but, you know, then again, everyone was in the same boat. So I guess, uh, yeah, just for the benefit of the viewers and listeners, Dwight Global is an online school. And, uh, yeah, I'm fascinated by there must be must be a bit of uh, difference in the structure of a school design specifically to be online versus, of course, the rest of us who were sort of thrown online and, and uh, managed to get through the pandemic. Um, fascinating stuff. Um, I want to talk about your podcast. Uh, you recently had me as a guest, which was uh, a real pleasure. Um, yeah, you know, it's called Be a Global Citizen. And uh, I want to ask, why did you begin the podcast and when? When did you start? Yes. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for being on my podcast. I really enjoyed learning more about your background as well as your thoughts on global citizenship. And uh, yeah, what an, what an interesting turn of events, right? We're able to interview each other. And I, I just find that to be so awesome and exciting. Um, so yes, so thank you. And yeah, I started this podcast during the pandemic uh, at the beginning part uh, in 2020. I felt, well, one, I, it was a sense of like disempowerment that I think, you know, everyone felt. It was just like, what's going on? Um, everything was disrupted. Um, just, I, I just wanted to do something in the confines of my small one bedroom apartment in Sao Paulo uh, to feel like I was contributing in some way. I was planting new seeds uh, to, you know, to hopefully someday later, you know, bloom, right, to, to blossom, whatever. And I also knew that I really wanted to talk about something uh, that was, you know, near and dear to my heart, which is global citizenship. And it just so happened that in at the end of 2019, so this is maybe end of November 2019, I had just finished a fully online master's program, a master's of education uh, through Dwight, oh, not <laughs> Dwight starts with a D, through DePaul, DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois. And I, this program was called Value Creating Education for Global Citizenship. So this idea of global citizenship was at the heart of much of the, the readings that we had, as well as the discussions that we, we partook in. And I wanted to continue that uh, in a way to have a project that would uh, allow me to unpack that which uh, I had you know, studied for almost two years. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of my thought process initially was to continue my, my, my studies and my learnings uh, from the master's program and yeah, just create something of value. And, and then I quickly realized that um, there was a lot of value to be had in talking and connecting with other people, people from within my network, as well as from outside of my network and to ask them like, what, 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 what do they think about when it comes to global citizenship? How does that apply to the work that they're doing? How does that perhaps color their experiences or can be used as a lens for them in navigating this thing called life, right? Um, I think that um, it, there's a lot to be said about how people view the other 
and also how that ties into their multiple identities um, as a citizen, not only of their their you know the, the nation, the, the country that they were born in and have citizenship with, but but in a deeper sense, you know, kind of beyond just a national you know mindset. So um, I thought, wow, what a wonderful way to network with people and uh, you know go beyond that and uh, see how my own thoughts are um, shaped and you know formed in interesting and creative ways through this engagement with other people. Well, this is your chance to put uh, that uh, to the test uh, because I thought I'd turn the tables on you and uh, actually use basically the questions that you've been asking people. And uh, let's get some of your thoughts and reflections on, on global citizenship. So uh, let's start off with asking like, you know, when the question that you've asked people a lot is uh, when did they first hear about global citizenship, the term? How about you? When did you first hear about uh, the term global citizenship? Yes, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I I think not to toot my own horn, right? No, but like I, I I find that like a lot of my my thoughts about global citizenship, or just you know any kind of like really deep reflections, started from my my time as an undergrad. I kind of feel like that's when my mind really like turned on in a way because so much of my past experiences were um, also um, something that, um, yeah, I just kind of went about in a very automatic mindset. It was just something that was told to me and I just executed it to the best of my abilities. And the reflective process was never truly there. And um, yeah, and so I initially was, um, you know, at this university, uh, the university itself has this mission statement, which is to foster a steady stream of global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. And I believe that that's the first time I, I really heard the term global citizen and um, how I, you know, lived that experience in a way that I just, um, you know, hadn't done before. Because it was not just something that was told to me, but there was a whole community of learners that were, you know, grappling with this. And, you know, the one of the unique components of the education that I received at this university was that there's a mandatory study abroad. And uh, this happens in your third year after taking a certain amount of uh, language courses. And, um, you know, for these students, um, I, everyone going abroad, it really put into perspective this idea of global citizenship, um, at least to get the ball rolling because you know you're forced out you're in a way you you have to be in a very you know kind of different environment and you are just trying to make sense and like adapt to to all of these things and so i felt like that all like really accelerated my process and got me thinking about what can um happen uh you know to my life like how can i use my life uh towards uh, you know, in a more contributive way, right? So all of this really ties back to this mission statement that I, I said, um, and that's really, I, I believe, what ignited this sense of like, okay, like, how can I really develop in a way that is true to this mission statement that has just really compelled me to being um, not just global citizen, but I actually would go so far as to say that that is synonymous with being a good human being. Mm -hmm. So that links to the next question, what does global citizenship mean to you? 
Yes. So um, as I just mentioned, there's there's kind of a big statement, right? Global citizenship or to be a global citizen is to be a good human being. But that's like, you know, there's many ways to go about that. Um, it's, you know, uh, for me, I, I, I really tie it to um, understanding um, your local actions um, and having those local actions be uh, informed by uh, a kind of sense of mission about like, well, I've done X, Y, and Z in terms of my activities and what I believe to be uh, contributive life. Um, but like, how does that then go from the local and expand out to the global? And I think that there's, uh, you know, a certain kind of like, you know, mental gymnastics uh, that happens in terms of really understanding like on an abstract level, like that your actions do impact in, in ways that are seen and unseen. Um, and yeah, and I think that that's, that's definitely one component of um, global citizenship in terms of like the cause and effect relationships that, that naturally occur. Um, but yeah, I, I would also say that like, and rather than just a set definition, because um, I feel like it's not necessarily to like box it in to kind of like write it into stone and then be you know be done and you're you know just kind of mm -hmm. oh i've done my job um mm -hmm. but i think that um one approach that i've really appreciated uh, in terms of understanding what global citizenship means is actually by understanding um different qualities that would um basically count one as a global citizen right to kind of like descriptors things that are more like mm, I guess like a North Star that would help inform you, guide you towards that never ending process of becoming um, that I think um, is important. So I really take my inspiration from uh, this one particular Japanese uh, spiritual leader, humanist uh, writer, he's a very prolific writer. His name is Daisaku Ikeda and uh, he's still alive. Uh, he's quite, quite elderly, he's uh, 95 right now. Um, but, you know, he is the leader of this lay Buddhist organization called the Soka Gakkai International. Soka Gakkai means uh, value-creating society. And what, uh, you know, he has done in his life is really build this network, this movement for peace. Of course, it's, it's a religious movement. But I would also say that, you know, he has really pushed um, for... Uh, kind of, you know, various reforms within uh, not only the educational system, but also within uh, the United Nations. He has consistently written um, peace proposals to the United Nations since 1983, which puts him at over 40 um, the annual peace proposals. Um, but all this to say is that I really see him um, as a shining example of a global citizen. And he also um, has... Um, you know, written about these qualities of a global citizen. So if it's okay, um, I wanted to share what three, what he, what Daisaku Ikeda believes are uh, three essential qualities of a global citizen. Um, this comes from a lecture that he gave at uh, Teachers College at Columbia University. This was uh, June 13th, 1996. And the title of his lecture was called Thoughts on Education for Global Citizenship, right? Very aptly named. And so he writes that uh, there are essential elements of a global citizen. So he says, quote, the wisdom to perceive the interconnectedness of all life and living. So that's the first one. The second one being the courage not to fear or deny difference, but to respect and strive to understand people of different cultures and to grow from encounters with them. 
And then the third one is the compassion to maintain an imaginative empathy that reaches beyond one's immediate surroundings and extends to those suffering in distant places. So these qualities really inform how I view this unending process of being a global citizen. Um, simply put, you can think of it as wisdom, courage, and compassion. But again, the way that he frames it is not just, you know, I guess conventional notions of uh, what, you know, compassion is like, you know, compassion being, oh, I saw someone who was homeless on the street, let's say, and I gave them a dollar, right? That's not to put, you know, any judgment on what that action is and whether it has lots of value or not so much value. But I would say that, that you know, certain notions of compassion fall under like a certain category of just looking out for maybe someone there. But clearly in this case, when they say the compassion to maintain an imaginative empathy and this idea that it's not just for your surroundings, but people in far off places, um, yes, your immediate surrounding may have someone who is homeless. And that is definitely a crisis. You know, talk about Los Angeles having a crisis of their own. I lived in Sao Paulo, which is a mega city with over 12, 12 million people, I believe. And it's just homeless people. I all they they occupy you know many many different buildings in the the city centers um but it's like well how to really engage wholeheartedly in certain crises that are right in front of you but then also that are extending to so many other other different places um so i feel that these three qualities really guide me uh, in terms of how I can keep myself in check and also really expand my sense of identity as a global citizen and as work that is never truly finished. Very true. Um, what about suggestions for people uh, to foster global citizenship in, in personal, but, but with particular focus on professional lives? On professional lives? Well, I mentioned this before, and also in terms of like starting the podcast, um, it was, or even in teaching, right? That one-on-one -on -one connection is so important. I really think that um, the, you know, there there's a lot to be said of like, you know, creating like this idea of world peace. It's, it seems too big to even imagine and ridiculous even. But I think that if you can really have that mindset with the person standing or you know, with whom you're speaking to in front of you. Um, I think that that would really do a lot. Uh, and I think to really value that um, that exchange, to value that moment that you are sharing, um, that shared inquiry, perhaps, uh, when it comes to um, asking about jobs, right, in the professional realm, um, seeking out uh, advice that maybe will benefit you with um, your career or your projects that you're engaged with. I feel that, um, you know, that, this idea of connecting one-on-one -on -one speaks to a relationship process um, that uh, you know does not it, it's it's not meant to discriminate, but to really um, you know strive and learn together with that person. And I feel again, as like I mentioned, with the, the qualities of a global citizen, there's there's definitely a skill that comes with um, connecting and networking with other people. Um, but I think that if we can really keep in mind. Uh, these qualities of wisdom, courage, and compassion, it, it, it definitely, it, 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 it creates this invitation for the other person too, to join you uh, in a, to a certain extent on this, this idea of like wanting to be more of a global citizen or more of a, a better 
person, right? In terms of like not just looking out for yourself, but looking out for that person. And and it's you know far less the transactional nature of like well in terms of networking and doing you know that interaction is this for that, but it's also to just um, you know really check in or really have that imaginative empathy that I think is so vital when it comes to um, yeah the whole job market and whatnot. Wonderful. I want to blend a couple of questions now um, around um, recommendations and considerations. So. Um, just generally, what would be some uh, some some broader considerations for people on this path to global citizenship, and uh, then any other advice? Broader considerations. Ooh. Um, well, I mean, I don't think there's any. There's so much, right? Um, so I, I don't think I can quite share out all all of this within the, the podcast. Um, but I would say that um, you know, there's. There's a lot to be said of um, really trying to expand your awareness of uh, other peoples and their voices, um, different cultures. Um, you know, it's kind of easy to think I can do that by going to another country, right? For however long. Um, there's often this association with global citizenship as stamps on a passport. And uh, yes, you know, it's a great privilege and it's wonderful to be able to, to travel. But not everyone can do that. And I'm a firm believer that um, global citizens are not those who just go to, um, you know, other countries and they just benefit off of like tourist, uh, you know, vacations. But it's, um, you know, those that just have that mindset of really wanting to engage other people, um, make a difference in their community. And so, um, you know, the, while travel is great, um, I also think other considerations to, towards being a global citizen would be uh, in terms of like reading good literature. Right, um, having this thought of like wanting to look um, and and learn about different stories, different traditions um, that um, yeah, writing affords really opening up new doors. Various different media's I think are opening up. Um, I mean, movies have been around, documentaries are there too. Um, even something as simple as like you know, as I, I'm speaking from a more Western you know U.S. perspective, uh, is very common to just um, only watch what our culture tends to generate, right? In terms of Hollywood. I mean, I live right very close to Hollywood. Um, but, you know, even for like, let's say the American who can watch like a foreign film and watch it with subtitles rather than dubbed. I mean, I think that also, you know, that exposure is very important. So not like shying away from difference, but really leaning into that, having that curiosity, uh, that wonder of like what life would be like in terms of other cultures, the other worlds that exist within um, you know, this, this ecosystem of human diversity, I think that should be highlighted, that should be celebrated. And uh, you can find very simple ways to do that in your day-to-day -day life without necessarily purchasing a very expensive plane ticket. <laughs> you mentioned uh, books and, uh, and movies. Um, you ask this of your guests, you always ask, uh, what uh, book or film would they recommend to an aspiring global citizen? Yeah, right. Well, I think whatever book you're currently reading is always a good indicator of kind of like your interests. I mean, it could be something just for like leisure reading, um, something more lighthearted. But um, I also, you know, happen to be reading for, you know, the purposes of really understanding what is global citizenship. And so the book that uh, I actually have on hand um, and that I'm about halfway done with um, is called Deep Diversity. This is actually a book that was recommended by one of my, um, 
yeah, one of my interlocutors that I had on my podcast. Um, her name's Ali. She's wonderful. Um, but yeah, she recommended that I read this book called Deep Diversity. Its, uh, it's subtitle is A Compassionate Scientific Approach to Achieving Racial Justice. It's by Shaquille Chowdhury. And I really have enjoyed this book uh, in terms of how he really breaks down um, what racial diversity looks like, what the current scenario is like in the U.S., and how we can, um, you know, not be scared of the task of really deconstructing certain uh, mindsets, um, and as well as like addressing uh, structural um, issues that relate to racism within uh, our institutions, within even our language, within our behaviors. I think that um, this kind of aware, it, it speaks to the importance of greater awareness and how we can apply that in our day-to-day -day lives rather than just you know pontificate and say, oh yes, I believe in these big things and but you're not actually doing anything or you're not breaking any cycles and so reading helps with that but then also you know following that up with conversation I, I definitely look forward to reaching out to Ali and being like I read the book <laughs> you know here are some thoughts right trying to take that extra step whatever extra steps that I can to um, really internalizing um, and you know recognizing that this project of global citizenship is something that you know is meant to add on to be inclusive um, and expand one's identity and not to just kind of settle for what is comfortable and uh, you know ultimately to stagnate because clearly with all that's happening in the world right now, not just in terms of uh, you know discussions on race, which are crucial in terms, not just with the US, but also you know many, like I would say all countries uh, around the world, but you know also in terms of um, climate action, we cannot just continue on with the status quo. We need to take action. We need to have some transformation uh, in terms of uh, our own beliefs and our, um, yeah, our mindsets. So I think that that really ties into what I've shared uh, are my thoughts on global citizenship to really boldly advance in a way that we haven't done yet, uh, but know that you're not alone, right? <laughs> that there are other people that are doing the work and that, um, are you know sharing that same spirit of uh, wanting a better world for future generations? Wonderful. And Scott, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way that they can go about doing that? Right. I would say uh, email is the best. Um, I'll be sure to to share that with you in, in the description. But uh, it's just my last name and first name. It's a uh, Bauer uh, Bauer Scott fifteen at gmail.com. and I'd be more than happy to connect. And uh, yeah, and, and hear uh, what what all these other amazing professionals are doing with their lives, and um, hopefully have have a conversation with them about global citizenship too. I'm I'm always open to hearing um, other perspectives and learning from you know their thoughts on this. I, what I believe to be a very important topic. Well, Scott, it's been uh, wonderful to uh, to connect with you and to for you to share your passion about uh, the importance of global citizenship and I hope that we can keep in touch. Thanks so much for your time on Education Talks and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much, Dave. Education Talks is an EdEvents production for the EdEvents community. You can keep up to date with the development of the community by registering on the website at ed.events.